We are starting today a brand new series on marriage called Why Marriage? Why Marriage? 1,600 years ago, St. Augustine identified three goods that come out of marriage. The first is children. He said, hey, marriage is a noble place to um, engage our desire for sexual union, to express that. And if out of that come children, hey, marriage provides a context for those kids to be reared up in the uh, fear and the knowledge of the Lord, a place of safety. And this is good for kids. It's good for society because society uh, has a vested interest in the next generation being taken care of. And so marriage is just a a great place for that. And it's great for uh, the husband and the wife to be able to be naked and unashamed Uh, in this uh, union. Second good is fidelity. Uh, We have a a desire to make promises and keep those promises. You know, society benefits when its people learn uh, to to develop this uh, trait of fidelity. They make better citizens. Uh, And we're blessed, right? Because who doesn't want someone else to say, I love you? And I'm going to be faithful to you. Uh, Even when, you know what, you're not all that nice. And even when, you know, it looks maybe like there's a better option on the table. uh, I'm going to remain faithful to you. And uh, we want to be, we want somebody to uh, pledge that to us. And and then we pledge that to, to other people. The third good of marriage is permanence. Uh, Somebody who says, I'm with you for a lifetime. You don't need to worry about being alone. Uh, you've got a home base. Uh, you, you, don't, you don't need to worry what, what's going to come down in the future. Well, we're in this together. There's a sense of uh, somebody who is committed to love me for a lifetime. And that's great. Uh, it creates stability in society, stability in our own hearts. It's a wonder th- wonderful thing to have somebody commit that to us, and it's a wonderful thing for us to commit to other people. And so here's, you know, 1,600 years ago, Augustine is arguing for uh, marriage and its its benefit to society. Now, in the United States, uh, we are enjoying those benefits less than ever before. 50 years ago, uh, 70% of all uh, adults in in our country were married. Today, it's uh, half. So half of the Uh, adults in America are not enjoying the benefits of marriage and uh, aren't giving that gift to society. Fifty years ago, 90% of children lived with their biological parents. Nine out of ten kids, uh, now it's somewhere like six. So four out of every ten kids are estranged from at least one of their biological parents. Our society, uh, our country is not benefiting from the good of marriage as we once did. Now, if, it, if this were the case because so many uh, Americans had a vision for, I'm going to remain single in order to give my life away. I'm going to remain single in order to, so that I can uh, bless other people and promote the kingdom of God on earth. That'd be awesome, right? But that's not, uh, in, in many, many cases, that's not the motivation for remaining single. It's due to a, mis, a, a misunderstanding of what marriage is. Uh, undervaluing it or having such a skewed view of it that, or an idealistic view of marriage that you'll never find the right person. (laughs) 
And, and that accounts for why we have a lot of, uh, why marriage is sort of down in, in our country. Right off the bat, I want to say we've got a lot of unmarried people here, a lot of singles. Please don't check out for the next six weeks. Let me make an appeal to you. Why is, uh, why is this series uh, important to you? Why does it matter? How will it benefit you? Well, there are three institutions that God has established on earth. The family, the church, and the state. God did not establish hospitals. He did not establish schools. He did not establish libraries. He did not establish businesses. They're good. They profit society. But, but what God establishes, what God institutes, he regulates. We're free to run our libraries, our schools, our businesses, however we want. But when it comes to the family and the state and the church, well, God's the one that came up with that idea, and he has a plan for it. He regulates it. And so if we want to uh, partake of marriage, if we want to uh, benefit from marriage, it's important that we understand, you know, what was God's purpose for marriage? Uh, how does he want it to be? Uh, how does he want us to uh, love each other and live together? So now, uh, if you are n- single, it's important that you have a Christian worldview. And you might never enter politics. But it's important that you understand God's vision for government. Why? So that you can pray for those in government. And so you might have a friend or a family member who works in government, and you need to know how to encourage them. You need to be able to talk about God's vision for government in the marketplace, at school and at work and with your friends, continuing to um, promote a biblical understanding of government. Same thing with marriage. You might never get married. But you have friends and family who are married, and you're called to pray for them. And sometimes they need you to remind them of the purpose of marriage. Uh, and sometimes you need to be, you, we certainly uh, need to be um, talking about and promoting God's vision for marriage in, in society today. And whether you're married or not, you still have that obligation. Uh, it should, it, you know, an understanding of marriage might influence the way you vote. And if you're open to getting married someday, boy, you really need to have uh, God's uh, handle on God's vision for marriage so that you know what you're getting into and so that you choose a mate more wisely. All right, so uh, this series does apply to you. I do do think that you're going to benefit tremendously. Now, if you're married, let me talk to if you're married, uh, there are... I think of marriage sermons as being falling into one of two camps. On one hand, it's kind of practical, practical advice for how to get along with your spouse. Those are good. And then sometimes it's theology. What does the Bible say? You know, what's the purpose of marriage? What's the power to, to, to live a, a healthy married life? What's the mission of marriage? Those kind of things. This series is largely falls in the second camp. It's largely a theology of marriage. But theology is always practical. Always practical. I know that uh, I'll be the first one. As we, as we get a clearer vision of what um, God intends in marriage, then we'll be able to evaluate our, our own attitudes, our behaviors against that, and all of us in some areas will be found wanting, right? 
And so we're going to be needing to make uh, adjustments. And those adjustments will always benefit us and be good. So even though it's going to be very theological, you will have, it will have very practical outworkings in our lives. So married, you can't check out either. All that said, let's, uh, let me talk about the six. It's a six-week series, and here are the six sermons. This week, it's titled, That Kind of Love. Next week, The Power for Marriage. The Holy Spirit helps us get over ourselves. Uh, the third week, the mission of marriage to help each other become uh, fully mature Christians. The commitment of marriage. Why is it not enough to just love each other and live together? Why do you have to have the, you know, the, the piece of paper? Why do you need to commit publicly? Week five, singleness. Hey, we're going to have an entire week on uh, the, the single life. And then finally, sex. And I, I know we'll be packed on that one, right? <laughs> so I've been married 17 years, and she's still with me. And I have uh, the Bible, God's Word on marriage. So that's, that's what I bring to the table. And uh, so we'll see where that gets us. I know God's Word will take us where we need to go. Let's get into today's topic. All right, so today's topic is that kind of love. If you want to enjoy marriage the way God intends it, if you want to mine everything uh, that God, God has from you out of your marriage, you can't relate to your spouse however you want to relate. You can't just say, I'm going to love them uh, the way I want to love them, and that will be good enough. There is a particular kind of love that leads to a happy marriage. And it's the love with which God loves us in his son, Jesus Christ. It's only Christ-like love applied to your spouse that creates uh, the, the, the satisfying one flesh union that God designed for us. There are two primary uh, biblical texts on marriage. The Bible talks about marriage quite a bit, but there are two primary texts. In the Old Testament, it's Genesis chapter 2. That's where Eve is uh, created out of the rib of Adam, and he receives her uh, as um, God's gift, and God presides over their, over their union, the first marriage. And then in Ephesians chapter 5 in the New Testament, where the Apostle Paul uh, likens uh, marriage to, to that to the relationship between Christ and the church, and he, and he draws out implications for that. So during this series, we're going to be uh, unpacking both of these texts. Today, I, I just want to deal with the first two verses in Ephesians chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Ephesians 5, verses 1 and 2. So Paul is, has not yet, uh, he's not yet addressing marriage in particular. Uh, he's talking about to all Christians, this applies to all of us, whether or not we're married, but boy, does it have uh, tremendous implications on marriage. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We Christians are to love other people the way God has loved us. 
We are to imitate God. We are his children. He's our father. We're to pattern our lives after him. How has God loved us? Well, look at Jesus. He gave himself up for us. He went to the cross. He bled and died to pay the penalty for our sin. He, he suffered that we might live. That's Christ-like love. It's uh, sacrificial. It cost him. It hurt. It's unconditional. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Uh, we were running uh, amok in our rebellion, behaving terribly. In fact, it was our poor behavior that, that caused Jesus to go to the cross. And it was a pursuing love. Sacrificial, unconditional, pursuing love. That's the way God's loved us. And we Christians are to turn around and love others that way. Now, uh, this is extremely hard to do. We spend our entire lives growing in this. But sometimes we do it. And when we do, it's a beautiful thing and a noble thing and a God-honoring thing. And it blesses other people. Singles, uh, whether you're married or not, this, this, is, this applies to you. Uh, you have friends, maybe, maybe brothers and sisters, classmates, co-workers. Uh, God calls you to love with this kind of love. And it will, it will make a huge difference. Now, here's the reality. It's often hardest to love those closest to us. Now, the way to say this is, you know, if you're married... <laughs> Your spouse is ground zero in learning to love. And, and if, you can, if you can learn to love your spouse with Christ-like love, wow, uh, it's easier uh, with everybody else. If you can win there, you can win any, anywhere. Why? Well, it's because uh, the people close to, closest to us irritate us the most. That's the truth. Uh, Partly because they matter most. Their opinions matter. They can hurt us the deepest, right? They can betray us the most poignantly. Uh, and, and so what they do and how they treat us and the way they feel about us matters to us most. And, and so we have, to, uh, we have to give them grace. We have to choose to give them grace. And so it's precisely, you know, it sounds wonderful. Yeah, we're just going to love with, uh, with uh, Christ-like love. But what we're talking about here is uh, our spouse betrays us. Our spouse uh, is indifferent to our, our, our emotions and our pain. Our spouse is angry and mean-spirited and, and cuts us down. And our spouse sins and their sin hurts us and, ugh. Are we going to love them like Christ loved us? If you hear one thing today, hear this. It is only if we love like God loved us that we're going to have a beautiful relationship. Of any relationship, any relationship that is patterned on the giving and the receiving of grace, unmerited favor, uh, Christ-like love, is a beautiful relationship. Why is it that we Christians love Jesus? 
Why do we trust him? Why do we want to be better in order to honor him? It's because the way he loved us calls forth that response, right? It's precisely because he loved me when I didn't, didn't deserve to be loved. It's precisely the, the fact that he will never leave me nor forsake me. Precisely the fact that while I was yet sinning, Christ died for me. It's precisely the fact that he pursued me that causes me to say, I want to give you all of me. I don't want to hold anything back. I, I, want, to, I, I want to become a better person in order to honor you to bring you glory, to bring you joy, to bring you pleasure. Is that not true? If God had loved us uh, any less, we would respond less. He who has been forgiven much loves much. And this works in all relationships. it's, It's as we choose to love our spouse sacrificially, unconditionally, Pursuing them, despite their failures, despite the way that they hurt us. It's when we do that, that, our, that the marriage will truly flourish and grow. So, let's, let me get pr- practical on this. Sometimes we're the giver of grace. Grace is uh, undeserved favor, unmerited favor. Sometimes we're a giver, sometimes we're the receiver. So let me throw some scenarios out. Your, your spouse kept you up last night, haranguing you late into the night. You, you made a mistake. It was innocently made, but they are angry, and they cannot let it go. And so they're just, I can't believe you did that. Ah! You know, why? Why did you do that? I want an answer. How can you be so stupid, right? And they're just going off on you. And you're, so now you wake up the next morning. You're tired. You've got a lot to do during the day. And you have been, you've been beaten up. How, how do you feel? <laughs> Are you going to extend grace, grace to them when they finally come around and say, yeah, maybe I was a little bit over the edge just last night. Ratchet it up. Your spouse has, uh, didn't ask you and went out and just made a bunch of purchases. And now your credit card, you find out you've got thousands of dollars in credit card debt. What? It's just set you and your entire family back financially. Maybe years and you're thinking, oh my goodness, the implications of this are unbelievable. How could you do this? Maybe they've uh, maybe you had a, pr- a, a very treasured relationship and your spouse ruined the relationship for you. At what point do you say, enough, uh, I'm pulling the plug. Uh, you're not benefiting me anymore. Uh, I can't love you anymore. Well, for many people, there is a, there's a line, right? But what about as Christians? Now, I'm not saying that we, when we're married, I'm not just saying that we absorb and absorb and absorb. We, we're proactive, and we say, hey, that behavior, that's wrong, and that's causing me pain. And we correct, and we press for change. 
but the other person has a free will, right? And, and they might not change very fast. So at what point do we say, I'm sorry, I can't love you anymore uh, the way Christ loved me? Sometimes, though, we're the ones that desperately need the grace, right? Sometimes, what if, what if I lose my job because I was um, incompetent or negligent or it was embezzling? And all of a sudden, I can't get a job as easily. Our whole family's income goes down. Now my spouse is like, what? That, that affects us as a family. What if, it's, uh, what if it's infidelity? Now, the scriptures say that in that case, the spouse has freedom. But I tell you, I've watched a number of Christian uh, men and women who stay with their, uh, stay with their spouse despite infidelity, and they say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love you through this. Here's the point. When a, when a husband loves his wife with Christ-like love and continues to extend grace, and the, husband does, or the wife does that back to her husband, and a pattern, this pattern of giving and receiving grace is formed in their marriage, that, that marriage becomes strong, and beautiful, and the love grows deep. And that relationship becomes, think of what the kids see. The kids see the gospel lived out in front of them day by day between mom and dad. Do you think that makes it easier for them to uh, accept that kind of love from God? Do you think it makes it easier for them to enter into that marriage? Absolutely. And a relationship, a marriage like that, that's been formed over years, a pattern of giving and receiving grace, it becomes a relational oasis for people beyond the family. And they step into it, and, and they benefit from it. It's an extremely high calling. It's not easy to do. It is not easy to do. Uh, and next week we're going to talk about, you know, it's impossible apart from the Spirit of God empowering us to do it. But that's what God's called us to uh, in marriage. Now, let me contrast this a moment with um, the, the primary understanding of uh, romantic love in our secular society. Correct me if you think I'm wrong, but here is the primary understanding of romantic love. I am with you because you, you make my life wonderful. Uh, I, I love the way you make me feel about myself. Uh, I love the way you make me feel. You're awesome. I just love being with you. And you know what? I feel like I get so much more out of this relationship than I put in. Uh, the, the pleasure way outweighs any of the pain of being in this relationship. I want to be with you. And man, as long as these feelings <laughs> uh, continue... I'll be with you for forever, as long as the feelings continue. We don't need to get married. Let's just live together. And, um, in fact, what is cohabitation, really, other than an implicit awareness that it might not last? If, 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 your, if your love is based on, you know what, uh, you, 
you give, uh, I get more than I give. Uh, that it's a kind of a contractual arrangement. What happens when the pain outweighs the pleasure? At what point do you say, I'm sorry, uh, but I'm not getting any more uh, what I used to get out of this relationship, and I've got to move on. And isn't that the pattern uh, that we, we see in our society? Uh, so I was, uh, I was at the Fire Island Bake Shop. Love that place. Player works there. But I, and I happened to, I was bored, so I was reading the press magazine that we see in our town. And uh, Dan Savage, he likes to, he has a column, a relationship column. So somebody was writing in there. It's unbelievable. It said, well, it was, I thought it was very sad. Been married three years. My wife and I are religious. Um, we were virgins when we got married. Here's the problem. There's a particular sex act I want to do with her. She won't let me. How do I get her to do what I want? Dan Savage's response was, as long as you don't have children, you got to move on and find another wife. He was, if she can't satisfy you in this area, um, obviously you need another woman. He was not being tongue-in-cheek. He was articulating the, uh, the values of our secular society. Romantic love being in a relationship is about, I've got to be able to get out of it what I need and want. Otherwise, what is the point? I've got to move on and find somebody else. That is not God's vision for marriage. And as long as you approach your, your cohabitating relationship or as long as you promote your, uh, approach your marriage with that value system, you will not experience marriage the way God intends You'll never get down to uh, the soul-satisfying, gospel-presenting uh, kind of relationship. God's way is absolutely risky. God's way hurts. But what's, what, what does the Bible say? For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. God knew. Uh, Jesus knew that I, by hanging upon the cross... I will secure life for many, many people. And, and, and our love will be so deep and rich. You want the very best marriage? Uh, you got to go all the way. You can't stop. Can't stop short of Christ-like love. So young adults. I shouldn't say young adults. Singles. Uh, you're not married. But there's someone in your life uh, who needs Christ-like love. In fact, I just, uh, this morning, I was told a story. A uh, single friend of mine, he, he had shared with me a number of months ago uh, a dear relationship, and his friend became so upset with him, cut the relationship off. I don't want to ever talk to you again. I can't. I'm so mad at you. Just yesterday, he got, he got, the, uh, got contacted. Forgive me. Will you be my friend again? You know what? There had been a lot of harsh things had been said. Um, a lot of water under the bridge. And yet, this guy said, absolutely, I forgive you. I receive you back. Extending God's grace. So who in your life needs that kind of grace? If you're married, um, where does your spouse need grace today? Because they need it. Where do you need it? Tell your spouse. Uh, You've got to be bold and just say, you know what? I know what? I don't deserve it. 
but here's where I need uh, grace, and I'm asking that God will give it to you. <clears throat> if you're uh, single, then, and you're considering getting married, well, you need to find somebody who knows how to give grace and receive grace. One of the reasons the Bible says marry a Christian. How's a non-Christian going to know how to do this? Find, find somebody who, who do, who's not just a Christian in name, but somebody that you watch them live this out in their relationships. Only then can you be confident they'll live it out uh, in the relationship with you. You know, um, there are things going on right here in, in relationships. And there are things that, there, there are problems that I'm not addressing today. And, and this series isn't going to be the, you know, most likely the panacea for all problems in marriages. And if you are in a, uh, if your marriage is in turmoil or difficulty, you need to do whatever you can to get that straightened out. This is too important of a relationship. And um, come talk to me. And if I can't help you, I'd love to um, kind of point you someplace where you can get good counseling and good help for your marriage. In conclusion, I just want to say this. <clears throat> it's very hard to give grace if you're not receiving grace. And it's awesome when your spouse is, is giving grace to you and your love tank is filled out, but sometimes that's not the case. Sometimes your spouse is hardened against you and you're not getting any grace from them. All you're getting is grief. Where do you get that grace? From God, right? If we've got, if God is pouring his love into our heart day by day by day, if God is pouring out his grace into our life, lives and our love tank is filled from God, it makes it a whole lot easier to turn and then extend that grace to others. And sometimes, unfortunately, that goes on for, can go on for quite a while. But in the usual state of affairs, eventually uh, people will respond and the relationship goes deeper and, and uh, better. So if you are, uh, if you are, if you don't have the, love, uh, the grace of God in your life, if you don't have the love of God being poured out in your life, uh, it can happen today. Uh, and it happens by entering into a relationship with him. God's grace has been poured out on your behalf in the death of his son Jesus Christ upon the cross, but you have to receive that. Uh, and, and we do that by um, repenting of our sins and putting in our, our, our faith in Christ and following him. And when we do that... Uh, he gives us the power to become children of God and his love begins to pour out into our life. And then it spills over into all our relationships. Let's pray. Lord, marriages matter to you. And so right now I pray for all of the marriages here and all the, um, and Lord, you know exactly what's going on. All of us can be better uh, lovers of our husbands and wives. and um, So, Lord, I pray that um, we would go to you to find grace and then be imitators of God, walk in love toward our spouse, giving, giving grace. Spirit of God, fill us to do that. And right, right now, Lord, I, um, it might be that for some of us, the response is simply to say, I will. 
I will. What decision does, is God calling you to make this morning? Will you decide in Christ's name? Amen.